Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Matchet and the Other Guy. And you join us on the banks of Lake Wiley in Charlotte and we're about to have a conversation about something of which I have no prior knowledge. Why were you doing this, Kevin? I have no idea, but it has become somewhat of a tradition, so... You think it's a control thing on my part? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it seems to work, doesn't it? So start us off, what are we supposed to be talking about today? And I say suppose because we never stay on target very often, do we? But we always have a launch point. So. <laughs> Today's yeah. launch point yes. is uh, something that a lot of people enjoy, and I think it enhances most of everyone's lives, is uh, hobbies or collecting something yes. or something they enjoy as a pastime. Oh, okay. Hobbies, yes. We've touched on some of this before, haven't we? We've oh, yeah. I mean, with... There's certain things that interest us that have come up in, in different things yeah. along the line. And I know but... you're a great collector. You're a great collector of many things and have been over the years. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll have to admit to that. Yeah. I have always tried... Well, I have collected stuff, but I, I, in these years, later years, I'm trying to not collect stuff. I know we've chatted about this before on another episode of Matches and the Other Guy. I keep trying to get rid of stuff now as opposed to collect more stuff. But Less uh, to tote around when times, times come up. That's right. Yeah, and again, those times when I had to move, um, I sold a house in France, loaded up everything I had in France and moved back to England. And then within about a month, I'd loaded up everything from England and France and moved over here to the States all the time. And it was... That did it for me. I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. Just boxes and boxes. Now you can just start rebuilding, uh, rebuilding the yeah. rooms, building them. Yeah. So uh, okay, hobbies. Start us off then. What, what, you know, in terms of hobbies, what do you think? Other than collecting things in general, what's been one of your great hobbies? Oh, if you go, if you go way back, I mean, I've definitely did the model car thing uh, from from early on. Yeah. I still remember that yeah. vividly from back in the day which uh, you know, frustrated my parents to no end because at some point along the line it wasn't going quite right and I'd get quite frustrated with it. But, uh, but I still you know, did, did those uh, many, many years back, as far as, far as I can recall. Yeah. Probably, I'm sure, starting with the snap-togethers and then, uh, then along came the glue and the painting and all that kind of thing. So. Yes, and I've done a few of those. Um, actually, during this period of work coming out of it now, hopefully, but last year in 2020 during the COVID lockdown, I uh, I did buy a few little models just to pass the time, just something different. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good uh, something to kind of keep your mind sharp and do something in the evening as yeah. you've got like your favorite show kind of playing in the background mindlessly or whatever. Yes, and I do en I do enjoy it. Um, there's no doubt I, I I get pleasure out of it, but the problem I have is you know I'm 58 now, and my eyes are starting to feel like they're 58, and I've been wearing readers as our gentle listener will probably know, and you know, because I've got them on the top of my head today. I've been wearing readers now for about the last 10 or 15 years, and uh, um, my eyesight's just beginning to fail. So looking at that fine detail, things that we used to do when we were much younger, is becoming problematic. But that's not just model making, that's everything in life, really. Yep. Yeah, I still remember my dad, you know, saying, hey, would you read this uh, label on this thing for me that's... real quick? Or what does this say? What, is that an eight or a six? Yeah. So now, yeah. now, now it's uh, getting uh, relative. I know, when I was a much younger man, and again, we, we, I feel like we've chatted about this before, but during my young formative years as an apprentice mechanic, I could measure just with my naked eye down to something like 20, 25 thousandth of an inch. You know, I could gauge spark plug gaps and be pretty accurate to within 20 thousand just by looking at them. Well, now, now I'm struggling to see the spark plug, let alone the spark plug gap, you know, but well, it's all part of the aging process, yeah. So model making, and and where did you go from model making? Ah, uh, well, you know, it's funny too. I guess you get what 
uh, with your classmates and stuff, what kind of, I guess they're fads at whatever time too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of what, and somebody's into it and two people are into it and all of a sudden, next thing you know, everybody's getting into it. Yes. You know, and some of them kind of come and go inexplicably. Like, we had a little thing in elementary school where we all were on, on a yo-yo kick for oh, okay. X amount of weeks, yeah. you know, if that, you know. But all of a sudden, everybody's at the store buying a Dunkin' Yo-Yo, a Butterfly, or whatever the, the plain one was called. And yeah. They had two or three versions. Some would light up, you know, those type of things. And we're on this Yo-Yo kick for a while. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Yo-Yos come and go in popularity, but they're always around, aren't they? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if we wanted to buy a Yo-Yo, other than going to Amazon, which you can find anything, I think, on Amazon, but if you went to a store, it wouldn't take you long to find a Yo-Yo. I would hope not. Yeah. I, mean, I would imagine the toy store, which, you know, who knows how many of those exist anymore, yeah. but, uh, you know, I would think even Walmart and Target was going to have some, <laughs> some of them somewhere. Yeah. Uh, what, so we got on to, to, to yo-yos, but this is, in, I would call it primary school, you call it elementary, we've had this chat before, haven't yep. we? Yes, and uh, I remember, we, you know, we used to collect football cards, um, soccer cards, it would be like baseball cards, yep. that, was a big, that was a big thing, I'm sure that still goes on. That terrible pink bubble gum that used to be a part of all of that. Yeah, I think we covered that in yeah. one episode. <laughs> that's too. right, yeah. Uh, but that's, that, I was trying to think back, if you look back to collecting, that's probably what I earliest remember collecting. And it wasn't ever the sports cards. It probably started with the Star Wars cards for me. So oh, 77. Oh, yeah. uh, but that led to, oh, just. I don't think I've ever seen those. Really? Yeah, they're like. They're like I've like still base- got them, if you can believe it. <laughs> so I can show them to you. <laughs> And there's well, there's, there's a whole new episode down the road. We'll just be looking at baseball cards and Star Wars cards and soccer cards. Unfortunately, I don't think I've got my soccer cards any longer. Well, they might be worth something. It it might be that's, worth, that's what makes things collectible. Worth something. I tell you what used to be the big thing at, at our primary school, though, with collecting football soccer cards was was having the corners, the corners of the cards in good condition. I mean, and I'm sure, I'm sure that's a big thing now in professional collecting of baseball cards is the condition, oh, the grading and the stuff condition like that. of how, the card. How minuscule yeah. their, yeah. their detail is, which is great. They, they're ex- total experts at what they do. Yeah, but even back then, as a kid, uh, my love of attention to detail, which has carried forward through working with Ferrari Road Car Division into Formula One, um, I always, always had that desire to keep things in pristine condition for as long as possible. I can never understand. That's something we always agree. Yeah, on. never understand kids that didn't think that way. But we're all different, are we? You know, yeah, but uh, absolutely. One one hobby I've always had, uh, and funny enough, we're looking at a piece of it right now on on our table outside my home here in Lake Wiley. I've always had a love of camping, as as we've chatted about, and hiking. Uh, and to this day, I still have that. I still love to get outside, to get out into the open. And I've been playing, trying to produce a little hiking stove, just for the fun of it, and produce a, a, wind, a windshield, a wind guard to stop the flame blowing out. And it's odd that you should talk about you know, hobbies and pastimes, because there it is. I know we've chatted about the times when I was a, a kid, uh, and all the times I would spend in the woods of the, the manor house as a, as a kid camping, and to this day, uh, I am now 58, as I've said. I'm still playing around with camping materials. There it is, right in front of us. Yeah. Well, I think that's that kind of goes along with the things you, as you change from your kids' interest to adult interest, you start to collect gear. And yeah. You need more gear for this sport, and every sport has its collection of gear. Yes. And sport or pastime. 
it might be because I'm probably tight with the money, although I like to think I'm not, but I try not just to spend money on equipment because it's cool, trendy equipment. I will always try and make something out of an old beans can to try and, you know, just for the, f I want to try and produce something myself rather than just go to super exotic stores and yeah. spend five, you're, you're I mean, up, you could spend five, at the same time. You spend $5,000 on camping equipment without thinking about it, but that's not the, that's not the fun of camping and hiking to me. It's getting out there and making do. I think that's the thing that's always attracted me to that side of, of if, we, if we call it a hobby, it's a hobby. Um, and the windshield that I've been making for my camping stove on the table in front of, front of us is, is a little stainless steel utensil holder that I got off Amazon for a few dollars, like six dollars or something. Um, and I just saw that and I thought, I think with a little modification, it's about a quarter of an inch diameter increase over the size of the cup I'm using to heat on the stove. I think if, if I modify that, I can get it to work as a windshield. Yes, so there it is. You know, more than 50 years later, I'm still messing around with stuff for no real reason, just because it's fun to do it. Well, but along with that and some other, I've, I've, there are many times I come over to the house and you've created something or crafted something since the last time I was here. So you stay pretty crafty. I, I'm pretty crafty, yes. I like, I like, I still like to work with my hands. That is something I've always enjoyed from a very young age is making things, whatever it would be, making things. And now, as we, as we've chatted about, you know, we've just said my, my eyes are beginning to fail. So I can't really work on the same details as I used to, which means to a large extent, I tend not to do as much mechanical work as I used to. Less work on, on cars than I used to, simply because my, my eyes just get tired so quickly. It's like driving at night, as you get older, I don't enjoy driving as night as, uh, driving at night as much as I used to. Most especially don't enjoy driving in the rain at night any longer. I don't enjoy that at all. But in terms of crafting things, I've always been interested in carpentry, joinery. Um, that's something that my brother was, was very good at and something that my dad was very good at. And it was one thing in our comprehensive education we've chatted about before in England, as it was a craft, it was one thing that the schools were very good at doing. Metalwork and carpentry, woodwork was something they really pushed, pushed the kids to learn. And so I took a natural enjoyment out of that. And yes, to this day, I mean, only the other day, I've, uh, I've made two or three little coffee tables and things in the house. Again, a lot of that is just killing time during this COVID lockdown period. Got to keep active, got to keep the brain moving and got to keep the body active as well. And so, yeah, building things out of wood, I, I still I still get pleasure out of that. Well, I think uh, I think I get, have to attribute, I think Jay Leno is where I got this quote. I think he's, he's just known for saying that the heart is happiest when the hand and the mind are working together. Mm, yeah, I think, I, I think there's a lot in that. Th th there is a lot in that, yes. There is a lot in that. Um, and on a couple of the retreats that I've been at, I've, I've chatted to some of the monks at, on, on retreat. Um, and again, I'm not particularly religious. I don't, not really, but I, I, do, I do enjoy chatting to monks who are in isolation from, I don't know why this would be. Again, this probably stems from this idea of, of me believing in another life, I was in a monastery somewhere illuminating manuscripts, but I do enjoy chatting to monks. I don't know why, they, they, they tend to see the world in a, in a very curious way that I find appealing. And um, one of their daily chores 
uh, along with studying scriptures and getting up at Lord knows when in the morning you know, to start their uh, devotion is practical work, working with their hands. And they all say the same thing, just like you said from the Leno quote. It's, there, is, there is a connection between the intellectual side of the brain and the practical side of the brain. And when you can interlock those two together, something magical seems to happen. Yeah. The, the, and I find it extremely relaxing. And I don't know if I've got an intellectual side to my brain. <laughs> it's something I've wondered about for many years. But I do find that when I'm doing something practical, i.e. making a coffee table, as I was doing the other day, half of my brain is already starting to think of potential future novel and short story ideas. I'm working through plots for potential writing projects yeah. as I'm doing well, something practical. stimulating. Stimulating, yeah. yeah. It's keeping you going and, and, and producing those. Yes, it's an odd thing, isn't it? But it, again, it, I, I kind of like that. I think, I think that Leno quote, it hits the nail right on the head when we are, we, are, we are of two different spheres. And when those spheres come together, I think, yeah, something magical happens. Yeah, and I, it's funny. There's, it's funny the things, the days you remember. But there's one day, this was in high school. I was, let's say 17 because I was driving, obviously. But mom and dad were going off, it was a Saturday, and they were going off for the day somewhere. And so I had the, kind of the whole day at the house to myself. And I just worked on projects all day. And I still remember that vividly. I, I opened the trunk of the Chevelle, pulled out the spare tire, I had some piece of uh, carpet that was from something, and I trimmed that to fit the, fit the trunk perfectly. So now I'd carpeted my thing, put the tire back in, and somebody had given me this round uh, piece of plastic with a little lip on it that was just just over the size of my spare tire. So I went and used that and drilled a hole in it, made that a custom cover for the, co the car yeah. cover. Uh, installed two speakers in the back. Uh, still wasn't done, I was just on a tear. So I ran in the garage, jacked up the front of Dad's MG, ripped off the front two wheels, and started sanding down the wheels for paint. And just, I worked all day. Right. And to this day, I still think that was just yeah. one of the best days ever. Yes. And there's really nothing grand, a thing of grandeur that happened that day. It's just, I look back on it and go, I'm sure I felt a great sense of accomplishment and being tired for a good reason at the end of the day. I, know, I, I do know what you mean, but I'm, much of my life has been practical. So I've always been surrounded by that. But I, I do feel the same. Funny enough, only yesterday, I was a bit. Of, I was a, a little bit of a loss to know what to do. It wasn't a. It wasn't a particularly nice day down here at the lake, and I didn't want to be outside. It was cold and rainy and all that stuff. And um, I was a pondering life on the inside in the, in the in the house there. And I thought, hang on, you know, what you, what my garage is lacking is a hook on the wall to hold the broom. Why this suddenly crossed my mind at 11.30 in the morning, I don't know. And you won't be able to sleep until that's that right. is... I can't really. go... I cannot now relax until there is nope. something, until this is being fixed. So, uh, there is now a hook screwed to the wall in the garage to hold the broom. But yeah, yeah similar example is what you've said. It's, it, 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 it becomes an essential to do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that, I, I remember you chatting about that memorable day when you were pulling the wheels off the MG and sanding them down before. So it's certainly stuck in your mind, oh, isn't I, it? I think about it here and again now. Yes, yeah. And talking about hobbies in general, I mean, I feel that in my my life, um, my you know, many many of my hobbies have simply become 
part of my career. So I've always been interested in practical work, as we've just been describing, and I became a mechanic. I've always had an interest in literature and writing, and I became a writer. You know, this becomes a natural thing to me. So yeah. I haven't really, other than the camping, you know, you know, some people do make a career out of camping, of course they do. <laughs> Good luck to them. But uh, yeah, other than that, I, I don't really think I've got hobbies beyond that any longer. Yeah, the, the things that you do every day have become hobbies, I guess. Yeah. 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 And you sometimes have to, you know, sit back and kind of break out of that sometimes to find something that's going to be a new interest or something like that. Or maybe just something that hit you out of the blue and you didn't realize was going to be one and you're yes. taking right to it. I do find, and perhaps we're getting off topic, but that's really no surprise to our gentle listener, I'm sure. But again, yesterday, um, I, I was pondering an idea... Uh, for a potential story and I was reading T.S. Eliot's The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock and there is a quote in there that is from uh, that uh, T.S. Eliot uses at the start of Prufrock which is a quote from Dante's Inferno and how these things one thing leads to another so I'd put I'd put the hook on the garage wall and I'm thinking as I'm doing this we'll just describe it now as I'm doing that my mind is already thinking of other non-practical things and I was thinking of a story idea and I was thinking of this uh, T.S. Eliot quote that is from Dante's Inferno and then I spent most of yesterday's afternoon I found a wonderful chap on on YouTube who was describing Dante's Inferno, the writing of the book, the poem, if you like, uh, which the Inferno part is about hell, surprisingly, and then uh, uh, there's, a, there's a part about purgatory and there's a part about paradise as well, so it's kind of a three-part thing. Anyway, I, I found that I was suddenly engrossed in learning something about Dante's Inferno that if it wasn't for putting that hook on the garage wall, I would never have thought about it. I would never have got involved with something else. Odd. Yeah. Odd how these things come together. Yeah, and the, you know, like the most nonsensical thing, I'll just send you right down a new path. <laughs> That's, uh, right. That's right. Well, moving away from the idea of the practical side of the mind and the um, intellectual side of the mind, just YouTube in general. Uh, how often have I mean? This happens to me all the time. I'll sit down on YouTube to let's say look at Dante's Inferno, and within 15 minutes, um, this YouTube vortex happens, and you're looking at boat building in the Adriatic in the 1500s. Yes, yes. <laughs> How did that happen? Why dolphins migrate in this whatever or... That's right. Yeah, not quite sure that happened, but there's a lot of fun information out there. Yeah. Okay, so hobbies for you now, what, what, what would you consider to be one of your main hobbies? Well, again, it's finding time. Having a mm. having a family with a little one is it kind of keeps you busy. Yeah, I bet. But uh, I still do the collecting. Um, I collect F1 stuff now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's a lot of just kind of seeing what's out there, and that's that's a lot of the fun is poking around and seeing what you can find. And it may go months or maybe even a year or something. I may not snag anything. I just don't feel it's something that I'm ready to get or something like that. Yeah. But uh, but it's the following of the of the hobby, if you like. It's You're always looking on oh, yeah. auction sites to see what's oh, there. Yeah. or Yeah. And do you occasionally see the same thing crop up that's moved presumably to a new owner but you're sort of following its progress on occasion that mm. will happen absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah it's just you know it, it gives you something to do in the evening sometimes you know and just kind of like settling in and just kind of pop on the laptop and yes. around a little bit and 
you never know what you're going to come up with. Yeah, so I made a meatloaf the other day. <laughs> Talking about strange hobbies and, and YouTube, but that was from the same thing. I was in the store and uh, I was wondering what to buy for dinner and you know, what can I, and I come across some ground beef and I thought, mm, you know, here I am, I am now an American citizen. I have never made a meatloaf. This seems like something I must learn. It's a skill that I must learn. So. I did. Went onto YouTube and there are about 5,000 different recipes for this is the best meatloaf recipe ever. And within an hour of researching and thinking, well, you know, if we did this and not this and we tried this and not this and we cooked it at this temperature, not that temperature, come up with this middle of the road solution to all of those. And yeah, I made a meatloaf and I'm quite pleased with the results. Very good. Results of it. Yes. Well, there's those kind of things where, you know, if you look back, if, gosh, if, you, if, it, if I had picked up on, you know, uh, starting to get into culinary arts when I was like, you know, teen or preteen, yeah. look how far I would be now, you know, and it's something that will serve you every day. You have to eat every day. So I think some hobbies tend to have more fruitful, more uh, practical results down the line. Than yes. Others. Yeah, I enjoy cooking, I must say, but um, I mean, part of that stems from the fact that I spend so much of my time alone that you, you want to have dinner, you're going to be cooking, going to be cooking dinner. It's a bit like I know we've had this conversation before about the years I was living in France and didn't speak any French at all. But uh, if you're in the middle of a French village near Cognac and Bordeaux and the locals don't speak any English, if you if you want to get bread and cheese on the table, you're soon going to learn the words for bread and cheese. And, you know, your language skills will improve because you have to improve. them. Yeah. And that's the same. I think if you're on your own and you're learning to cook, you, you will improve your cookery skills because well, you want to improve your cookery skills. You've got no choice. Well, you drop a Wall Street executive out in the middle of the woods, his, his woodsman skills are going to go, uh, they may not be great, but they're going to enhance really quickly, very fast, if he's going to make any kind of progress. You know, you bring up a very interesting point there, Kevin. And again, we have not chatted about this, but I was having a conversation with a good friend about a month ago um, about um, physicists, astrophysicists, and how incredibly intelligent they are. And I said, yes, they they. Yeah, you know, I, I can't disagree. I'm fascinated to learn as much as I can from anybody that's got knowledge and wants to import it onto others. But I can't quite remember the twist in the conversation, but it got to the point of, but the, the, the problem is, if you were stranded on a desert island, who would you rather be stranded there with? Would you be rather stranded with Stephen Hawking or the equivalent of someone that's got a great intellectual mind that can explain all about the universe, or would you like to be stranded on, on the island with a local woodsman who's going to get a fire burning and be able to make you a hammock and keep you alive for three or four days? Oh, you know. yeah. Yes, it's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy, if that's a correct use of that word. Well, it's kind of going, <laughs> this makes me think of uh, a little project we did in college where things are relative. It's like, you know, the professor may put a gallon of water up on the on the desk and go, you know, how much would you pay for this? You know, maybe people say, oh, 50 cents, a dollar. You know, let's let's say you've been out in the desert for three days and you came across and, and somebody would sell you this, would you would you pay a hundred dollars for it? And everybody's yeah. like, yeah. But would you pay probably pay a thousand dollars for it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very relative. The needs of the moment, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yes, it's. Um, I think uh, having a general knowledge, a general knowledge is incredibly valuable. And I say that, I mean, you know, 
I've never been fortunate enough to go to, to, to go to college and really explore the academic side of what, of what I may have. Um, but I do think knowing a little bit about most things will get you through the day, or at least point you in the right direction to seek help. And providing you're never a, you're, you're willing and able to ask questions, if you don't know the answer to something, then you will be able to find the answer. I think a lot, of, a lot of the problems folks face is, for whatever reason, they feel embarrassed or humiliated or whatever it would be that you don't, they don't know the answer. Well, there's nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with not knowing the answer to something. The problem comes if you're not prepared to find out what that answer is, yeah. to me. I've always thought that, but that's something that Nigel Stepney taught me in Formula One, <coughs> my uh, former chief mechanic, when I started in Formula One in 1990. Nigel said to me, if you're not aware, if you're not sure of anything, don't try to just work your way through it, ask. That's the only way the car becomes more reliable in terms of Formula One, this is obviously, you know. And I've always remembered that and tried to, and tried to keep that at the back of my mind at all times. And even during our Formula One broadcasting years, um, I would have no problem at all if Lee Diffield, Bob Varsha, or David Hobbs asked me a question about the car, engineering aspect of the car, or something about the race weekend, and I didn't know the answer. I, I'm, I, I can't pretend to know the answer to everything. Of course I can't do that, but I, I don't mind you asking the question. If I don't know, I will email somebody that night, call somebody that night, and a colleague in the pit lane, and find out what the answer is. And that's, that's the way to go through life, not just... <laughs> tiny little world of Formula One broadcasting or Formula One car production, but just in life in general, just be prepared to ask the question. Well, there's a lot of value too in just uh, just having a general sense of our common sense. Common sense, yeah. 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 Common sense is gonna do you much better down the line than having a, a high level education in one area, for, for sure. Yes, well, I, I think that to a degree, I do, I agree with that. Um, academic, the life of academia, I think can be give you tremendous knowledge of a very small slice of the cake of life but you need to have knowledge of everything to be able to make it all work I think yeah. with ease well and how many how many times did someone be completely brilliant but very socially awkward you know so you, it, yeah. very often yeah, yeah absolutely and a lot of it has been just you know head down in a studies for decades yeah. and there's you know yes it is an odd, it is an odd business I mean without mentioning any names because I don't need to mention names but I've seen on more than one occasion brilliant aerodynamicists and brilliant engineers arrive at, a, at a, a, an airport and not have their passport with them for international travel to go to a race and the next international race <laughs> arrive at the airport and surprise surprise no passport again you know <laughs> how, does this, how does this keep happening but it does it's um, you know, the brain is a very complicated piece of machinery, organic machinery, and uh, we're all wired differently, yes. And I think there are some folks that are incredibly brilliant at certain things, but lack that overall common sense general knowledge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it'll definitely play out. I've seen, seen it numerous times. Do you think you're going to change hobbies? I mean, do you see something down the line? You think, I really wish I'd got into that. I wish I would like to study more. I, I, I say that because occasionally I hear and read comments of folks really 
enjoying opera. Stephen Fry. I don't know Stephen Fry. You know, I did receive a letter from him many years ago, but that's, you know, we don't know. We certainly don't know one another. But uh, Stephen Fry, great uh, broadcaster and, and uh, author uh, in the UK, um, occasionally talks about his developing love of opera. And it's something that I've never really got into, but I would, I, you know, when you hear uh, uh, comments from someone that's really excited by something, whatever it is, yeah. I always feel like, oh, I must explore that more. Obviously, I'm missing something yeah. here. Yeah. And it's something you may, you know, it may be worth giving it an investigation and you might find out, eh, it's just not for it's me. It's not for me, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah it's not for me. At least yes. I'm moving in a try, yes. or at least learn, you know, learn a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't think of anything. Do you feel a desire to... Uh, you, I mean, you told me that you did fly an aircraft very briefly, but you, you have no desire to None. get a pilot's license None. or yeah. And that's one of those I've, I've kind of talked about people with that for many, for many years. Wanting to fly a plane, I think, is something you're almost born with or not, because the ones that want to do it are fervent. They want to get as much airtime as they possibly can. Yes. I've, I've seen guys or friends of mine, it could be guys or gals, that focus on it like it's the only thing in the world. And then I'm just of the other ilk, like, no, I have no, I have no desire ever. <laughs> and it's not that I'm particularly afraid of it, it's just not yeah. at all. You know? Yes, but I do, I, now you've said that, it makes me think of whatever it is in life that you are, that one is passionate about, whatever it is, whether it's painting or drawing or writing, music. I think if you are genuinely passionate about something, you will always find a way to do it. A bit like you described pilots and their desire to fly. Um, if you, if one is a musician, will always. If there is five minutes of downtime in your day, a musician will pick up a guitar or a recorder or a flute or you know, whatever it is and start playing. Yeah. Right? And I think writers probably do the same thing. Even if I'm not working on a particular project. Oh, we just said yesterday, all of a sudden you're thinking of ideas, the next potential story idea or researching something. Um, I think writers are always scribbling something down. Can't yeah. you, If there's five minutes in their day, they will pick a pen up. And I think an artist is the same. Five minutes in, a, in an artist's day, they'll pick a pencil up and a sheet of paper and just start sketching. Can't not do it. You yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, I think there was probably a level, I and mean, we've talked about that, I used to skateboard a lot, and I, I still remember in high school, I was like, you know, you know, one more period, the bell's gonna ring, and I would go, I was, I'm looking forward to going, yeah. you know, and yeah. I loved doing it, and I was always improving on my skills and, and all that, and I remember, you know, looking forward to getting out and hitting, hitting that for the afternoon. Yes, and I bet, let's pick one sport, soccer, for example. The brilliant soccer players have, since they were, three or four years old always done exactly the same thing there's five minutes downtime or they think there's ten minutes until school's out they're out there with the soccer ball kicking it around yeah that's what they do every single day every spare five minutes of their life swimmers are, I'm sure are the same and we're looking out over this lake here and I wouldn't want to be swimming in that lake today because it's too cold and wet if you're a swimmer you'll be swimming every single day yeah yeah well, we better talking about you know, doing things every single day. Look at this, it's 32, 32 minutes. We're showing on my laptop that we've been chatting about today. So we better think about closing this one out. All right, well, we will hit it again, I'm sure very soon. Yeah, it was fun, I enjoyed talking about talking about hobbies. Um, again, it's, it's, topics to come. it's an odd thing for me because I, I feel m most of my hobbies are just things I do every day in life. But I guess 
it doesn't matter however you describe it if it's something you're doing that you enjoy doing then it be, it is it's a hobby it's how you spend your downtime it's how you, it's how, yes exactly that yeah. the past time passes the time so. yeah. alright gentle listener well join us again for another episode of Matched and the Other Guy from Late Wiley time to say goodbye Kevin until then yeah bye <laughs>